friends, and welcome to an episode of Crunch Time with Caitlin, which is a Cleveland sports podcast where I rant about whatever's in the title and have lively discussions with guests from time to time. So I hope you stick around and I hope you enjoy. everyone and welcome to a new episode of Caitlin has something to say it's been a while it's been since I think week two um after the Monday night debacle where you know Nick Chubb gets hurt and just kind of the fallout from the you know from that where you had people saying that Kevin Stefanski and his offense was I think there was too much structure, I think that was the claim. And then, you know, kind of funny enough, week three against Tennessee, um, he plays really well, unfortunately gets hurt. Then we all know what happens after that. And then just just kind of like the, the, the wild ride this football season has been on, that we've been on. Um, and then now, fast forward to the middle of December, the Browns are 8-5. and five. And Joe Flacco is the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. A guy who wasn't a part of anybody's training camp, wasn't called um, to try out until, I think it was what, that Thursday or Friday um, after the Ravens game where, you know, Deshaun Watson. Announced that he's out for the season with a broken shoulder, <laughs> and it's just, it's just crazy, man. It's it's crazy to to sit here, and you know we are, right in the thick of the uh, the playoff picture, the playoff race. The Browns are in fifth place in the AFC, a game above, you know, I think what is it, the sixth seed to the eleventh seed. Everybody's seven and six. And, um, yeah, with Joe Flacco as our quarterback, what a, what a crazy time. It's, it's Don Strzok 2.0, you know, time is a flat circle or whatever the saying is. Um, it's, it's just crazy. It's honestly crazy. And I think one of the first things I really wanted to talk about was just the narrative around Joe Flacco and his roster status. It it, honestly, it just gives me a headache and, Part of me doesn't even want to bring it up because it's just, it's so dumb. But at the same time, like the fact that we're sitting here and we're, people were legitimately sitting here on Monday, like the Browns reverted Joe Flacco back to the practice squad. Like, why doesn't another team go get him? Why doesn't another team, why doesn't Pittsburgh go get him? Why doesn't, you know, like the Indianapolis Colts or the, um, the Minnesota Vikings give him a pretty decent amount of money and have him sign here. It's like, what? Like, do you not understand? Like, you obviously don't understand how the pra- uh, practice squad works. So is that is that ignorance on your part that you just don't know and you don't understand what this all means? Or is it, do you know better and you're just lazy and you would rather just create this narrative that like, oh, the, the Browns are trying to, you know, outsmart themselves and... Blah, 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 blah. It's like, what? Like, even Adam Schefter was just like... I think his tweet had something to the effect of... 
yeah, he's back in the practice squad. He's free to sign with any team, but he doesn't want to, so he's going to stay here. But then it's just, like, it creates this whole, like, narrative, right? And you had, you know, even, like, the Pat McAfee show, which I'm, I'm a huge fan of. But they had, like, a whole video, you know, a whole little segment on, you know, Joe Flagg and going back to the practice squad. It's like, like, come on, man. Like, do, can, can you just explain this? Like, what the actual rules are? A player can be activated from the practice squad three times before they have to clear ra- clear waivers. It, yes, they are t- they are like de facto free agents. They're free to sign with any team. But it's not like, oh, I'm the Minnesota Vikings and I could just sign Joe Flacco off their practice squad like it's Madden. Like, they have a choice in the matter, and Joe Flacco's the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns the rest of the year. So I don't think a guy who wasn't offered a spot on an NFL roster through training camp, through the middle of the season, up until the Browns called him, is going to, you know, take the first, you know, flight out of Cleveland to go quarterback potentially another team. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And the fact that we have reporters you know, not clearly stating what all this means. Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Outside of, like, who? I think it was, like, Diana Rossini. But other than that, e- even your local reporters are just like, well, fans wanted to know, like, why is Joe Flacco back on the practice squad? It's like, if you just did your job and you articulated why it's really just semantics that he's hasn't been put on the 53-man roster that they could elevate him one more time and then sign him especially with a team that has so many injuries if you can manipulate your your roster for one more week like it it, it's it's not a big deal (laughs) he's gonna be the quarterback the rest of the year like he's not gonna leave he's he's not gonna go anywhere and it it just it just doesn't make sense to me. It's just a formality. It's it's okay, fans. It's fine. But the fact that like we there aren't more people out there, reporters out there, media people out there who are just like, no, this is just a formality. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Like it just I don't know. Just it gives me a headache, honestly, and it's annoying. And I just. It, it's just lazy. It's just lazy reporting. It's lazy by the media. It's lazy. I mean, it's kind of lazy by fans who just, you know, don't look up. Like, okay, what is this? What does this practice squad thing entail? Like, I just, I just don't understand. It's also lazy by fans. Is like the narrative of, you know, Kevin Stefanski and play calling and stuff like that. Like, run the damn ball, Kevin. Like. Like, they don't run the ball. Like, they haven't been running the ball all year, number one, even with Nick Chubb hurt. I still think they're top three in attempts. The last couple weeks, they haven't because they haven't been good at running the ball. You you can't just look at a box score and go, oh, Jerome Ford's averaging more than four yards a carry. But once you kind of, you know, dig deep and you go, okay, he had, what, like 12 or 13 carries, had, like, 50 yards. 
but he had a long of 20-something. Well, if you take that one run out, they haven't been an efficient run team since Deshaun Watson got hurt and since he's been out for the year. And the fact that people just don't see that and they don't understand that, yet, okay, the the Pittsburgh game, that's... The, the Steeler game's kind of tough, because it's two teams that know each other, they know what they like to do, and at that point, I mean, they weren't running the ball well anyway, so it, it kind of is what it is, right? The Denver game, you get down 14 nothing, and you're, you're trying to play catch-up, but they were also moving the ball up until DTR got his concussion. So, to complain about play-calling up until that point... Again, doesn't make sense. And I think on the second drive, they, they do the Harrison Bryant sneak. He fumbles the ball. And, you know, it's a turnover and whatever. And people are bitching about that. It's like, they've been running that play all year. They ran reverses all year. Like, nothing they've done is out of the ordinary. Which, I, again, maybe that's a critique. Maybe they're Maybe they're too predictable when it comes to that stuff. But they also have other um other things off of those types of those types of trick plays or whatever the the Harrison Bryant they you know yes he's had the the straight you know tight end sneak I guess you could call it they've also um I think it was is it the 49er game no or was it Tennessee I can't remember specifically what game it was I know it was at home but they had the quarterback um, leave the field, and then they kind of threw a toss to uh, Kareem Hunt, and he ended up scoring on what would have been just like a quarterback sneak or whatever. And I, I can't remember what I want to say it was the the Forty Niners, but I, I again can't remember the specifics of it. But you know, it's it's not like it's like the same thing every time. There's different wrinkles to it. It's how they scored on the first play of, uh, or their their first touchdown against Jacksonville. You know, they have their multiple offensive linemen sets, their multiple tight end sets. Kareem Hunt's in the back. It's third and one. And then they go play action, and David Njoku's wide open because everybody's expecting them to run the ball. It's a great tendency breaker. But, like, people are going to complain about you know, certain play calls or they don't they don't run the ball enough even though they haven't been good at running the ball for almost a month now. And they haven't been good at it, yet they're still averaging, what, uh, I think they're still top three, top five in, in rushing attempts this year. So you want to just keep on doing something that they haven't been, that they haven't really been good at. And now that they have a quarterback that could, you know, sling the ball downfield, and you trust, and it looks like Kevin Stefanski and Joe Flacco are both very comfortable, you know, Kevin Stefanski with the type of quarterback Joe, uh, Joe Flacco is a, pro- a pocket passer, um, somebody who could throw the ball downfield, somebody who can play under center, more timing, more, um, you know, throw to spots instead of... and And you know what? Eventually, we could have that discussion about is Stefanski and Watson a good fit, you know, because, you, you mean, you see the 
and see the success Joe is having. Now, that being said, I will say, you know, Stefanski with Watson, the Browns outscore teams in games where he took the majority of the snaps. I believe it was 60 or 70 points. They went, what was it, 4-1? and one. It's like, these, these things aren't in a vacuum. Like, they were scoring points. They were moving the ball. And if it wasn't for a broken shoulder, I think... I think they probably win against Pittsburgh. They probably take one of those games against uh, out west, whether it's in Denver or L.A. And then I think they win this game with, with Watson. So it's not like the, the offense is, like, it's not like it was going down. You know, the, he had success against Tennessee. He had success against the Cardinals. He had, he had a lot of success against Baltimore coming back from, was it, 15 points down in the second half. Like, that's not nothing. So, I kind of think, like, hey, maybe we should pump the brakes on that, too. Again, with all the injuries. And I just think, man, Stefanski's just a really good coach. And for some reason, people just don't want to hear it. So for some reason, people don't like the guy. Which, it, I, which I, I don't really understand that. I, I understand that... When you listen to him talk, he sounds like a politician, and I could I completely understand why that's extremely off-putting. But it's also year four. Like, you should kind of know what you get, what what you're getting from him. He's putting your team in a uh, in a position to win every week. With four different quarterbacks, he's won. Four completely different quarterbacks. Mind you, like sure, like Deshaun Watson, DTR, PJ Walker, they're athletic quarterbacks, but the arm Watson has is different than PJ Walker, and the decisions that PJ Walker and you know DTR are gonna make are gonna be different than what Watson and even I mean Joe Flacco to an extent. I mean Flacco's looked really really comfortable. And the offense has changed pretty drastically. Um, you know, more under center stuff, more like you know, turn your back to the to the offensive uh, line uh, when it comes to play action stuff like that. But I, I mean, I still think you're gonna probably have better decisions being made from Watson, and then you're gonna have Joe Flacco. I mean, you're. I think we're all kind of waiting for. Unfortunately, like, the shooter drop, but for some reason, like, I'm pretty confident in him. And then you have, like, DTR, he's a rookie, so you kind of have to baby him a little bit, which they did against Pittsburgh, and I thought they were starting to really get some nice momentum before, you know, the concussion against Denver. And then PJ Walker, you're just like, how, honestly, we're sitting here, like, how the hell did they win against the 49ers, number one? How the hell did they win against the Indianapolis Colts? And then, okay, you want to critique some, you know, a little bit of play calling, fine. Maybe they should have ran the ball on third and short. But a freak play, the ball hits a helmet, and it gets intercepted. While maybe if it just goes incomplete, if and you punt the ball, maybe the Browns get a stop, I don't know. The, the way that drive kind of happened, probably not. But just, like, overall, like, 
I think he's done a pretty damn good job. And to to just, you know, for everything to be under a microscope with this guy, and especially when it comes to play calling, because in my opinion, play calling, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I've said this before, it's about the process. And I know fans don't really want to hear it, but it's true. Like, you can have... You could have the play, the first touchdown to David Njoku. You know, great tendency breaker. And David Njoku's wide open because Jacksonville is expecting you to just hand the ball to Kareem Hunt for him to get one and a half yards for a first down. But you hit the play action and David Njoku's wide open. But if he drops the ball, there's going to be fans that are going to be like, guess what? We should have just ran the ball. We should have just got the first down. It's like, what? Like, you could have the greatest play schemed up, and a quarterback overthrows it, or a receiver drops it, and the the coach looks like a moron. Like, if David Bell dropped the football on 4th and 3, would you say, oh, that's a bad decision, they should have just punted it away, or whatever, or they shouldn't, or that was a shitty play call, why would they do that? It's like, what? And what's funny is, like, you know, if you watch the um, uh, OBR film breakdown, they ran the same play. It was the same type of play at the end of the first half where people was like, oh, it's third and one, they should have ran the ball. And they basically ran the same play. Joe Flacco just didn't make the throw to David Bell. And he was open. And it would have been a first down, the Browns called a timeout, they moved the sticks, they get another... Shot to, to work it downfield, maybe kick a field goal. But not but because it didn't work. Because it didn't work. People were like, Well, I don't understand what they were doing. They should have just got the first down. They had timeouts. It's <laughs> if the guy's open and players don't make the play that they're expected to make, then how is that a bad play call? Now on the contrary, there are plays where it's like, oh my god, what <laughs> What was that decision? What was that thinking? And, you know, the, the a, a team gets bailed out by a defensive holding or an illegal hands to the face. Or, you know, hey, your quarterback just makes a crazy throw. Or a receiver just makes an insane catch. And you're just like, but you, you kind of look at it, you're like, I don't under You look at, like, the, the all 22 and you look at the film and you, and you just go, what were they trying to scheme up here? Like they got they got bailed out. It just does. It, what we need to do is like okay, just kind of understand their thought process just a little bit, and just I don't I don't know maybe not live and die by every single play. And that's something that I've had to learn personally because I am. I used to be like extremely hot and cold. When it came when it came to the Browns, but now now that you have competent people running the team, and at times I still get angry. I mean the the whole Ravens game against with DTR like I was angry, but then you kind of you hear what happened behind the scenes, and then you go, well, okay, now that I have new information on it, I like I feel bad for the way you know I reacted to DTR. I said that he shouldn't he should never play another game of quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Um... I called them basically an idiot for trading uh, Josh Dobbs. And now look, Josh Dobbs has been benched by two different teams. Hey, I was wrong on that. I was wrong. Or, But I also said, like, hey, 
it looked like Kevin Stefanski was a little bit more comfortable with a veteran quarterback who's played, you know, in the league, who knows what, like, has, has seen things before. And you could kind of tell with P.J. Walker at times, he was, like, he wasn't good, but you could kind of work around certain things. And then, you know, you see DTR against Pittsburgh and how they kind of babied him. That's fine. They did enough to win the game. Denver, they started to open things up. Again, he gets hurt, so it just kind of sucks. But then now you see Joe Flacco, and you see a, a, a quarterback that Stefanski is obviously very comfortable with, and you're like, okay. Like, we got something here. Like, we can win some games. Like, legitimately win some games. And we can... Especially with, you know, the teams we got to play. The Bears have been better, a lot better recently. But with a quarterback who's seen a lot with the offense, you know, the offense and Kevin Spansky's ability to scheme guys open and stuff like that. Like, I like our chances against the Bears. I like our chances against every single one of these teams that we play. The Bears, Houston on Christmas Eve. I mean, especially if, like, with the amount of injuries they ha- now have, whether C.J. Stroud plays, if this is his first game coming off of a, a concussion, if he doesn't play on Sunday, like, like that's not good. Nico Collins is hurt. Tank Dell is hurt. Like, you have an opportunity against the Jets at home in prime time. Whew. Like, quote-unquote, could be the last home game of the year. Like, whether that's Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback or that's Zach Wilson playing quarterback. I mean, it's it's Joe Flacco revenge tour against the Jets. Like, imagine if the Jets, after Joe Flacco went down, said, "Hey, like, come on back. You know, we we know you. We're comfortable with you. You're gonna be our guy until Aaron Rodgers comes back, if he tries to come back. Like they like they could literally be in the the spot the Browns are in right now, like legitimately. And then Cincinnati, the Browns always play Cincinnati well. So again, without Joe Burrow. He, you want to talk about waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, Jake Browning. I think we're all kind of waiting, waiting with bated breath when it comes to that. Um, so it's it's just kind of one of those things where I, I just don't understand the hate towards Stefanski, especially now. Like, he's going to get his, his extension. Same with Andrew Barry. So... Just deal with it, if you're a fan. And the, I, I was listening to the the uh, the OBR Films Breakdown podcast, and you know they they were talking about, and it was a good point, how it seems like younger fans really like Stefanski and the older fans don't, which is kind of which is kind of weird in a way because, you know the the, the older fans want to win, and I understand that. I wholeheartedly understand that. They've been through the team leaving and all that shit. But, like, they are winning. So then why, like, why why do you want to make this sudden change and restart the clock on, uh, on a coach that is most likely going to be a rookie head coach? Like, unless you're getting... I don't know who, what, Jim Harbaugh or Mike Tomlin or Bill Belichick. Like, 
Like, outside of those guys, you're probably either, you're, you're probably just getting another rookie head coach, so why do you want to start the clock on a rookie head coach when this guy has, through all this adversity, whether it was COVID in 2020, then in 2021, you know, okay, you're trying to maneuver your offense in a way to, to help Baker and the shoulder thing, and then honestly everything that came out of that was just like, damn, like, he had guys open, and he just didn't make the plays. Is that on the head coach? And is it on the head coach that, you know, your franchise quarterback wanted to play, was healthy enough to play, but because of the way he throws the ball, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't be as effective as he wanted to? Like, I don't I don't know. Then last year you heard the whole Watson thing, but like I, I think you can make the argument where you could be upset with Andrew Barry, especially last year where you just completely ignore your defensive line outside of um Miles Garrett. Now if you wanna critique anything with Stefanski, it was keeping guys like Mike Prefer and Joe Woods, people who he was ex- you know, extremely familiar with, um, for as long as he did. And you know me, I mean, I hated Joe Woods. And compared to, you know, Jim Schwartz right now, like, man, you want to talk about night and day. Like, you want to talk about a complete 180. And, I mean, you go from being a defense that is very reactionary to whatever the opposing team is doing to, like, now, like, setting the tone and being aggressive. I just... I, I just I just like it. And I just don't understand, you know, you have, you know, somebody like Jim Schwartz, who's kind of boisterous and aggressive and stuff like that. Like, you want that as a defensive coordinator. You want that as a defensive play caller. Where I feel like on offense, you want somebody who's cool, calm, and collective. And, and like, this is, and which is one of the knocks that people have about Stefanski and which is it just doesn't make sense to me like like why are you hating on a guy who's calm like what like why are you hating on a guy who just like doesn't panic in big moments like I just I just don't understand that so you know compared to like going back to what I said about how, like, the older generations, like, don't really like him compared to the younger generations who's more willing to kind of see things through. Also, like, you know, like, it's the quote-unquote Madden generation where, you know, they get aggressive uh, on fourth down. And, you know, younger fans like that because, like, who really punts the ball in Madden? Unless you, like, really, really have to. Um, But I also thought it was kind of interesting. I remember he was on... uh, Stefanski was on, I think it was part of my take, and they were talking about clock management and stuff. And and kind of, I think it was something to the, to the effect of how younger um, head coaches are pretty good, are really good at clock management because they've played so much Madden growing up. <coughs> Sorry about that. And, you know, I thought it was a pretty interesting take and you know the more I've seen you know around the NFL I I, I tend to agree with that I also think you know fans are very like like they only focus on on their team 
which again there's 31 other teams outside of their their team it's kind of hard to pay attention to everybody but man you see some of these coaches and <laughs> you want to talk about they can't coach themselves out of a you know out of out of a UPS box man like they just make some of these the dumbest decisions and you just you're just like why are they doing this like why are they doing this clock management why are why aren't they going for it why are they going for it like I don't know (laughs) I think every coach I think every fan base hates their head coach I think every fan base hates their GM I think every fan base hates their owner and usually the owner probably deserves it more often than not. But, like, you have Steeler fans hating Mike Tomlin when, you know, everybody just hangs their hat on, oh, well, he's he's never had a losing season. Which, again, to, to an extent, I understand if you're a Steeler fan, like, okay, you never had a losing season, but you haven't won a playoff game since, what was it, 2016, 2015? And that's a long fucking time. So again, I I understand them being upset. I understand too. You know, you ha- I mean, you look at like the Browns. The uh, Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals, was the Browns' quarterbacks coach. Where I mean, in Pittsburgh, <laughs> I mean, you had they kicked Bruce Arians to the curb, then he goes to. Was it the Colts for a couple years, and then he gets to be he becomes the head coach in Arizona, and then he goes to Tampa Bay and wins the Super Bowl. Um, Todd Haley, I mean, they kicked him to the curb, and then like the last couple guys, like flamed out, you know. And I think people were talking about uh, like coaching trees in Pittsburgh and how it it just kind of like they, the Mike Tomlin just doesn't have any coaching like anybody. Um, from his coaching tree, like, branching off to being an offensive coordinator elsewhere or a head coach elsewhere. Um, I, I mean, I, mostly, like, head coach elsewhere, but, you know. Um, same thing with, I, I mean, really, Baltimore, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, okay, maybe that's not fair, because, you know, Rex Ryan, I think he was there, Mike Patton was there, so. You know, he's had a few guys, but I'm trying to think recently. With, oh, well, okay. Never mind. Maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's just a Pittsburgh thing, because, uh, what's his name? Uh, David Coley. <laughs> the whole, every time I think of David Coley, I think of, um, I think of, uh, Stu Gatz. <laughs> and he's just like, why did Houston hire a, like, a 70-year-old white guy to coach Deshaun Watson? And then it was just, like, this whole thing. And uh, Dan Levitard <laughs> was, just, was just like, really? What? And Stu Gotts didn't realize that David Coley was black. I just, every time I think of David Coley, I just think of that. So, okay, maybe that's not particularly fair. When I, when I, when I talk about um, uh, Baltimore. But, like, you know, you have a lot of smart people with the Browns. The front office. Uh... uh Quezzy is the GM in um, Minnesota now. You have two people. Uh, I can't think of their names. Glenn Cook 
and Catherine, oh, I can't remember her name, but they're high up in the, in the Browns organization, and it sounds like they're next in line for head coaching or a GM spot somewhere. Um, like, you have a smart organization. Like, what, like, let this, let this play out, okay? This is, you know, I just, I just don't understand. We, we've been through so much as a fan base. Why make such a crazy decision to fire a head coach who's, who's had success? And again, it's not going to happen, but I just, I'm trying to understand, like, the people who want Stefanski fired, who who call him like, you know, too like almost too smart for his own good, like I just, just trying to understand where they're coming from. I, and if you look, if you if you see this, you want to hit me up on, you know, the artist formerly known as Twitter, and we can have this discussion. I'm all for it, but I just I just don't understand it, like the the. The blind hatred because because he's cool and calm on the sidelines because he doesn't say much during press conferences like I don't even know why like legitimately why do NFL teams and NFL have head coaches have to talk so much throughout the week it just it really doesn't make any sense meanwhile if if Ken Stefanski was like Mike McDaniel in Miami who doesn't say shit but he's entertaining and you know you you listen to him talk, and he's funny, and he's he's got this like goofy charisma about him, and then you just kind of forget like oh yeah he didn't even answer any of these questions that were asked right, but it's like oh at least you know at least you had a laugh, compared to like Stefanski he's just like well I don't know we'll see, <laughs> with every answer, and it just like it pisses people off, it's like I, they they both said nothing. But at least, at least, Kevin didn't just bullshit you for, like, five minutes. At least he's just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, well, we'll see. It, it just, it's just funny to me, in, in my opinion. Like, the whole, like, is, like, is Joe Flacco gonna play? It's like, of course he's gonna play. Of course he's gonna start. Of course he's the, start, uh, the starting quarterback the rest of the year. Like, calm down, guys. Yeah, I'm gonna think the guy who took the most, the majority of the snaps... When the backup, who's a rookie, was still in concussion protocol, I'm going to think the veteran is going to start. And then, oh, guess what? He played a damn good game. I'm going to guess he's going to start the rest of the year. And how they get him on the roster the rest of the year, I, I think I think the front office and the powers of the at the Cleveland Browns have enough leeway to figure that one out. And they don't have to tell us all of, you know, all of their secrets, even though like their secret is most likely gonna be, yeah, we're gonna call them up one more time, and then we'll put them on the roster, or we'll put them on the roster on Friday or Saturday when we have to make that move. Especially now that we have so many, you know, I think one or two roster spots open because we have so many players on the IR, like, and that's the other thing too, the amount of players on the IR, and you're still eight and five, and you're still in a great position to to make the playoffs, based on. Uh, Baltimore's record. The Browns can win this division. I think Baltimore has to play Miami. They have to play San Francisco. They have to play Pittsburgh again. And then who do they play? 
There's one more game. Is it... Is it Cincinnati? No. I don't know. I'm trying to think. See, is it Seattle? No. Not Seattle. Pit, uh, Pittsburgh plays Seattle. I can't remember off the top of my head. I should have had this. But but Baltimore plays... Oh, Jacksonville. Baltimore plays Jacksonville. Miami. San Francisco. And Pittsburgh. Maybe. I don't think it's... A, I think it's Jacksonville. San Francisco. Miami. And then Pittsburgh. Like... If they lose three and the Browns go f- three and one, I'm trying to think. I think the Browns would win the division, I think. Or maybe it depends if they beat Pittsburgh because then tiebreakers and stuff like that, conference records, stuff like that. Um, but Or if the Browns just win out. Like, that puts a lot of pressure on Baltimore. Like, like who's to say, man? Like, who's to say? So it's just, I don't know. I was just sitting here seen stuff like the last I don't know little while when it when it came to the Browns especially like this week and I think the thing that just drove me crazy was the Joe Flacco back to the practice squad and like just the stupid narratives around that man it just come on like can't we just sit here and enjoy that through it all through all the headaches of this year the Deshaun Watson will he play won't he play four different starting quarterbacks have won the have won a game this year. The Browns are eight and five, and they play a team at home. And that's another thing too. They play at home against the Bears. Sure, they have to go on the road against Houston, but again, they're a young team. You don't know about their health with CJ Stroud and stuff. Like I said, at home against the Jets, who again the Jets are kind of like the Browns when it comes to their defense. Their home and road splits, eh, not that great. And then last week against Cincinnati. Who I mean, hell, at that point, like legitimately, they could they could have a playoff spot locked up, and then, you know, maybe maybe they're just playing for the division. At that point, like you 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 literally never know, when it comes to week eighteen. And again, that's let's just focus on this week. Like let's get this dub at home. But like, come on, like can't 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 we all be better? Can't we just kind of enjoy this crazy season when it comes to like the NFL in football like not just the Browns with their injuries but like the crazy amount of injuries throughout the year I mean Burrow um Justin Herbert got hurt um I'm trying to think uh Andy Richardson got hurt I'm trying to go like <laughs> through uh through the well, I don't know why I'm like drawing blank with the amount of guys that 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 have had injuries, um, you know Minnesota with Kirk Cousins and all their quarterbacks. Now they're they're starting Nick Mullins. Remember when Nick Mullins almost won a game for us on that crazy rescheduled uh, Monday uh, dusk game at five o'clock against the Raiders. I was there. It was a crazy game. Um, you know, the Jets, obviously, like, it's, it's just crazy. It's just crazy that we're sitting here, like, hey, we're in five. We got a, we got a solid quarterback in Joe Flacco right now. You have a good head coach, like, let's, no matter what happens these last four games, let's not run him out of town. Let's just, hey, because I think we go, like, I, 
again, I don't know why it just keeps coming home. I, I don't know why I keep uh, harping back on this. But, like, the fact that we're sitting here and every week there's, like, these crazy, you know, injuries and, you know, these guys going on IR or Denzel Ward's missing three straight games. Hopefully he's back, you know, Sunday. And you just go, oh, my God, like, another injury. I think the Browns have, like, 14 players on, on injured reserve. Yet, on the same breath, people are like, I'm going to hyper... Uh, fixate on on the head coach and every little decision he makes it, it just it just doesn't make any sense to me like if if everybody was healthy and the browns are maybe they're 8 and 5 hell if they're you know 5 and 8 and everybody's healthy then yeah obviously we could have that conversation but that's not the reality of it the reality of it is that i think people are more pissed off that this team, despite all their injuries, they could potentially have a better record than what they have. Whether it was the Seattle game, whether it was late in the Denver game, but even the Denver game, I mean, like, <laughs> you, we all saw how P.J. Walker played, and I think, I think what I took from that is, like, how the hell did we win two games with P.J. Walker taking the majority of the snaps? Like, legitimately. So... I don't know. Can we can we just maybe enjoy like I said, enjoy the rest of the season. Enjoy the crazy ride and whatever happens happens. And hopefully next year um we uh you know, everybody's healthy, Nick Chubb's back, healthy, 100%. Deshaun Watson's 100%. <laughs> Your offensive tackles are as close to 100% as you can be and, you know, like we like we move forward but like i think if of if anything this year has just proven how how good of a head coach Kevin Stefanski is how good of a staff he's put around uh he's he's built um this year with the you know bringing in Jim Schwartz and and uh, Bubba Ventrone as a special teams guy and then same thing with um Andrew Berry and building a, a pretty solid roster like i think at this point really the only thing you can really complain about is like why the hell like I get it he was your fifth or sixth corner because you've had a couple injuries but like why <laughs> why is Mike Ford getting any reps on offense or on defense like why is he not just purely a special teams player but even that like when it comes to injuries like it's, it's kind of tough to split hairs when it comes to that uh, or you know 51 you know, the new 51, like, he is just, ugh, he's not good. But, like, we're talking about special teams players. Special team, like, players who are really only good at special teams. Like, other than that, I mean, I don't know, James Hudson, maybe, but he's your fifth, he's really your fifth tackle, or fourth tackle, and now he's your starting right tackle. Like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Christensen, the left tackle who replaced Jed Wills, Hasn't been terrible. I mean, he hasn't been good, like, great. Especially in the run game, he hasn't been good. But, like, overall, you know, he's, for a backup left tackle, he's doing all right. <laughs> like, like I don't know. And then, again, you find Joe Flacco, and he's comfortable enough in your system. And guess what? You're winning games with 
with Dodge Rock 2.0, like I said before, so I don't know. But I think that'll do it for this episode of Crunch Time with Caitlin. And I promise, I promise, I promise I won't be a stranger. So, as always, friends, take it easy. If I don't talk to you before the holidays, before Christmas, have a good, have a very Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, whatever you uh, celebrate, and uh, go Browns.